The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and Lionshare hosted a track called Making Disciples in the Generations and Vocations. That's where today's audio was recorded. Dave Buring led this track for Lionshare's team, and he's written a great four-page summary of his core teaching on transformation. It's called The Process of Transformation, and it's available for free through our website. Make sure to go online and download this PDF at discipleship.org slash lionshare. That's discipleship.org slash lionshare. I, um, I wanted to spend some time setting up today uh, because I, here's what I realize at a conference that has multiple denominations represented. What it is that I'm going to be talking about today I don't know where you all land theologically on the Holy Spirit. And so I'm presenting maybe a little bit of a hot button here this morning uh, of how you might view and compared to the person who's over here might view uh, your theology of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I know, and I think I'm going to get us to a point where we can all agree on certain things about the Holy Spirit And then we're going to move forward into this discussion today about how the Holy Spirit is going to be our guide in disciple making. So let me set it up this way. Do you need help when you are discipling people to help them follow the ways and the character and the mission of Jesus? Do you need help? Okay, good. All right, so take a look at this. We can all agree on this. So I tell you the truth. This is Jesus saying this to us. I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go, I'm going to send him to you. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Does it say half the truth? No, is it, you know, it's into all the truth. And I took some time just getting prepared for today. I took this very seriously to dig into the original language of this particular. Do you know what all means in the original language? All. There we go. So, all right. For he will not speak. Look at this. This is huge for us to understand about the Holy Spirit. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears from God the Father, because we're going to look at this later, what Jesus said, whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will glorify me, Jesus said. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. To which we all can say, thank God, that we have help in making disciples. But I don't want this session to just be about you and me making disciples. Absolutely This conference is all about making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I want this session to be about, do you need help? Not just about making disciples. Do you need help following Jesus? I mean, I know I need help following Jesus. I mean, this is a hard thing in our culture today to be set apart as the royal priesthood in our culture. I need help doing that. And so he's going to guide all of us. So I don't want this to just be about disciple making. I want to be this about us being a disciple of Jesus this morning. The second one, here's what I love here. But when the helper comes, this is Jesus again, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. Look at this. This is what the Holy Spirit's job description is. I think we're all going to agree on this. He will bear witness about me. See, here's something I want to say it this way. My lead pastor, Scott Stevens, we just preached a sermon about the Holy Spirit, and we were talking about how to follow Jesus in our culture and to have an identity in Christ in our culture today, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. But I want to show you something about the Holy Spirit, because in some circles, the Holy Spirit is so emphasized so emphasized that sometimes God the Father and God the Son are not really talked about all that much. 
And we said in our church setting, listen, the Holy Spirit, he might even be uncomfortable about the fact that we're talking about him this morning. Why? Because his job description is to bear witness about Jesus. So get this picture in your minds today, right? It's, it's as if the Holy Spirit is going, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Pointing to Jesus. That's what his job description is. Can we all agree on this this morning? No matter our theologies, right, on the Holy Spirit, that we can understand that the Holy Spirit, in his centrality to our faith and our disciple-making, he has to be at the center because he's our helper. He is our guide into all truth. And he wants us to bear witness because he does to Jesus. We can all get in on that together, right? So I want to show you something that emerges as we study the life of Jesus and how he disciples, even his own disciples. So Dave Buring, our founder at Lionshare, wrote a book called The Jesus Blueprint and something you can pick up uh, at our product table. Um, and in it, what he did, he did a study on the gospel of Matthew. That You see this pattern emerging of how Jesus himself did discipleship and how the Holy Spirit, you see in this graph, is at the center of all of this, right? Jesus said, I can't do anything without what I hear the Father doing. And the Holy Spirit empowered him at his baptism. And as he continued to go away and he prayed and he fasted and the Holy Spirit empowered him to do what it is, the ministry that we're trying to model. And so if we're trying to do discipleship without the Holy Spirit being central in our lives, we're gonna be in trouble. So you see a pattern that emerges as you read the Gospel of Matthew. See, Jesus. It, so picture this. I have up here the, the disciple-making ingredients. It's cold this morning. It's rainy. We could all do like a good soup today, right? So just think about this as ingredients of a really nice soup on a cold day that is just so good to take in, all right? When you read the Gospel of Matthew, here are the disciple-making ingredients that you see Jesus use in his good soup of making disciples. First, you have, a, have to have a commitment to speaking and teaching a scriptural truth. We're not teaching just our stuff, right? We're not just teaching what we think is good. Everything that we do in our disciple making has to be in the context, a commitment to scriptural truth. It always points back to the ways of God, to the character of God, to the mission of Jesus. And where do we find that? Absolutely in the scriptures, a commitment to teaching scriptural truth. You see Jesus do this all the time, right? He, he does it all the time. His most famous, you know, sermon, constantly referencing Old Testament. Jesus is always going back to the Torah. You know, the stuff that he referenced, even as he modeled for them, uh, as he's hanging on the cross, he is quoting scripture all the time. Do you have that? Do I have that in my disciple-making process? Or am I just following a curriculum with, you know, that it might not even have anything to do with scripture? All right, we always have to point to the scripture. You know, Jesus, you see him model this, a context of community. Jesus never, except for when he went to those isolated places to pray and to fast, as we heard Shadonke yesterday, he was always in community. He was always bringing people around him and saying, hey, watch how I do it. I'm going to teach you, but then watch, and then I'm going to send you, and you're going to go in community to do the same exact thing. It's always in a context of community of how you see Jesus making disciples. And then now, th this makes sense to us, right? The top part of this graph, com complete sense. Yes, scripture in the context of community. That's Bible studies. That is uh, what we do in our small groups. But now as I get to the bottom of this graph, I think that some of us, we're going to go, ooh, am I actually doing that? So you see Jesus... He also, he always had a culture of obedience. You know, if you obey me, you know, if you love me, you'll obey me, right? I want you to go out and then I want you to come back and report to me of what you did. 
You know, he tells parables about obedience. He all, always had, this is one of the most, I think, in disciple making today, from what I see in some of the great Bible studies that are out there, some of the great curriculums that are out there, this is one of the missing pieces. Because it's a lot of information. It's a lot of good Bible study. But what are we doing with it? We're going to get to that in a process uh, today. And then the, the bottom uh, right here is a charge to reproduce. Jesus constantly challenged his disciples to go and reproduce. I mean, that, th this is the book of Acts. You see this take place. Right? Jesus is constantly sending them out, challenging them to go and do this with somebody else. He said, "What you know? we're going to get to this, Matthew 28. He says, I, I want you to teach everything that I have taught you. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Multiply out. This is how Jesus made disciples. And then you see, what in the, in the book of Acts, you see this completely remodeled for those who were following Jesus. Those who were, you know, when they, when they heard from Paul, what did they do? This, right? When they, when they heard from Peter, what did he do? This, right? That's exactly what, you, Acts 2.42 is what you see uh, there. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit's role, all right, in our disciple-making process. And, and here's, again, this is also for us as disciples. So G, the Holy Spirit, remember, he's always pointing to Jesus, right? He brings the presence of Jesus in and through our lives. And I just want to stop here this morning. And how many of you yesterday in our sessions that we've been having in those main sessions, when that worship kicks in, right? And you are with the body of believers and you're like, you can just feel the presence of God, right? You just feel that. Let me ask you a question. In your personal life, when you're by yourself, you know that that's possible without a really good band and really good music because the Holy Spirit bears witness inside of us and brings the presence of Jesus wherever we are. And do I know how to awake my soul and sing? right? For him who died for me, right? So uh, he gives certainly, uh, he gives us the certainty of being the children of God. He baptizes or sows us into the body of Christ. He was sent so we'd no longer be orphans. Praise God. Thank you, right? He fills us and resides within us. He's the paraclete. This comes back to, he comes alongside of us as our helper, we need the presence, and he brings the presence of Jesus in and through our lives. The second, he brings the likeness of Jesus in and through our lives. As we are making disciples of Jesus, I don't want them to look like me, right? We heard this yesterday, you know, from Ariane. You don't want to look like me. There's only one Kent Chevalier, Right? I want you, I want to be a Holy Spirit for you going, no, 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 be like Jesus. I, I want you to be like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit brings the likeness of Jesus in me, and I'm constantly in discipleship, need to do the same thing. Don't follow me, follow him. Right? Because at some point, you know people in your lives that have let you down, that have represented Jesus in your lives, good people, but they let you down. Right? And we held them up on a pedestal, and we looked at them, and then something in our faith collapsed when they had a fall. No, no, no. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus because he's the one who brings the likeness. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit brings the likeness of Jesus in and through our lives. He guides us into all truth, as we said. He creates us in the disposition, the attitude of Jesus. Convicts us of sin and righteousness. Puts us, sin to death in our lives. Sacrifices us so that we look more like Jesus. He brings us the fruit of the spirit, man, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, right? And when disciples see that in us, they want to be more like Jesus, right? Brings the likeness. Third is this, he brings the power of Jesus in and through our lives. I mean, I don't know about you. There have been times where in a discipleship conversation, I don't even remember saying what I said. Any, everybody ever been there, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, where did that thought come? I better write that down for myself, <laughs> right? 
because he brings the power of Jesus in us in that moment that we didn't think that we could even lead possibly this person and all of a sudden we realize, oh, it's actually not us at all. It's the power of Jesus in us and through us, right? Helps us in our weakness. He gives us the power to overcome sin. He gives us power to know and to do God's will. Empowers us with those spiritual gifts to advance his kingdom. Let me ask you a question here this morning because I'm gonna constantly be bringing this back, not about disciple making, You as a disciple, let me ask you this. Are you using your spiritual tool belt? Like the spiritual gifts that God has given to you, are they laying dormant? Because you know that there are parts of the church, there are parts of your business, there are parts of your your people that cannot advance without you using your spiritual arsenal that God has given to you called spiritual gifts. I just submit this to you today. If, if we, as disciples of Jesus, are not using our gifts, and maybe we're letting somebody else use that, and because they might be using it, we don't think that we might be valuable enough, maybe partner with that person. Go to that person and say, hey, can I help? Because I think I've got this too. Right? And then the last, he empowers us to be his witnesses and disciple makers. I want to show you something. Because when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you know that we can offend the Holy Spirit, right? We talk about in the scriptures, or it talks about in the scriptures, grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. And I I don't know about you, but I was always confused by that. What does that even mean? And so I want to try to break this down, and then I'm going to get really practical with you today. So look at this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemptions, Ephesians 4. And in this context, this is all about like, don't do these things. No corrupt talking. Put away that bitterness, no wrath, no anger, do not slander, put away all that malice. And here's what grieving the Holy Spirit is, is when he says no... And we say yes. All right? Let that sink in. Because you know moments in your life where this has been true and you have felt it. As a follower of Jesus, you have felt something. Some people would say that's your conscience. Some people would say that that's just like, man, I, I got a bad feeling about this. No, this is actually the Holy Spirit inside of us. When he says no... And we say, yes, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Been there, done that. Thank God for his forgiveness. Right? Uh, Excuse me? Yeah, so I'm going to, I think I'm, yeah, I think I know what you're asking. So quenching the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? So do not quench the Spirit. Here's the context. Rejoice always. These These are the things, I want you to do these things. These are good things to do. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in everything. Do not despise prophecy, test everything. So quenching the Holy Spirit is when he says yes, and we say no. Been there, done that. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Here's what I want you to, an imagery that can help us think about when we quench the Holy Spirit. I want you to think of a water hose, right? Think about the hose that's outside your apartment or your house, and you've seen it, right? Um, When we quench the Holy Spirit, there's the flow of water going through the hose, right? Yes, yes, I want you to do these things. I want you to, to participate in rejoicing always. That's where the Holy Spirit is flowing when we give thanks always, rejoice in everything, right? And here's what we do. We kink the hose, and we say, no, I want it my way. I want to do it, and I quench what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life, all right? Because if I'm bitter, and I'm angry, and I'm not rejoicing when that person gets the promotion, and I didn't, and I try to rejoice with them, right? I quench the Holy Spirit. I kink the hose of the flow of the Holy Spirit. You tracking with me? This morning, we're all on the same page about this stuff. Now, I want to show you something 
about discipleship. We, we, we're, we're all aligned on what Jesus said to us. That's why we're here at this conference. Jesus said, he came, and Jesus came to and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, which I love when Dave says um, to us, that's a whole lot of authority. Heaven and on earth, universe obeys. All of authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to highlight something for us, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And I love this. It's like an encouragement sandwich for us as disciple makers, right? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Right, and Jesus, that's the command. And he comes on the other side and he goes, I know this is gonna be hard to do, so don't worry. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I'm going to be with you through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. It's better that I go away. I'm gonna send the helper to help you do this. To help, look at this, we just wanna boil this definition down. You've heard this before. This is what you're trying to do. I get it, so am I with the men that I'm discipling. By the way, um, I had to get up extremely early yesterday morning because I'm in a different time zone. And I had to, you know, when I asked the guys that I was going to disciple, I, I said, are you going to match my commitment? And they said, we're in. So four of us in a quad, we gather. And uh, I didn't realize when I would be here at the National Disciple Making Forum that when our regular meeting rolled around, man, I'd have to get up really early at 5.30 in the morning because it was 6.30 their time, you know, which is usually my time. So I don't know why I just said that, but anyway. <clears throat> all right, match my commitment, all right? So disciple-making is teaching people, look at this, how to obey. And for the very, 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 very long time, I was doing ministry, and I didn't know how to obey. Like, I knew the stuff. I'd been to Bible college. I knew the stories. But I didn't know how to obey Jesus. And so I want to show you this morning a process that has completely ruined my life in a very good way. This is something that lion's share. It's one of the things that I think God breathed to Dave that lion's share that we, we want to just continue to teach out to people so that we all learn how this obedience happens, right? Because we all want our lives to be transformed. I want to show you this here, right? Here's the process of transformation. We all want our lives to be here. We want our disciples' lives to be transformed. That's why we signed up for this, right? Jesus Christ saved our life, but we know that it doesn't end there. I need help to know how my life continues to be transformed because if it's just sown out onto that hard, rocky soil, it's going to be snatched up. And we want our, those who are following us as we follow Jesus, with they with us, we all want our lives to be transformed. And can we all agree that only God can do this, right? I wish that I could reach into your life as my disciple, right? As I'm sitting at Panera Bread over with you at 6.30 in the morning, and I know some of the things that you've got going in your life, and man, you're a bonehead, <laughs> and you're not doing it. You just read about it in the scriptures, but you're not doing it. I wish that I could just reach into your chest and like get your heart and your soul, right? And just make a little change. I wish I could transform you, but I can't do it. You can't do it. See, the process of transformation is that only God can accomplish this here of transformation. And so I want to show you in a process of transformation, many of us here, there's a difference because if I were to say to you, how many of you know a lot of scripture, right? You know about the Old Testament laws. You know about Genesis and the creation's account, right? You, you know a lot of information, but there is a difference between knowing about and actually knowing God, 
right? There's a lot of information that, as, as we were talking about, as Heather spoke in our Gen Z, uh, I don't even know if that's what it was called, but uh, our Gen Z session in here in the Lion Chair Breakouts, that that is the most, that's a generation who has the most information available to them right at their fingertips. Information is not revelation. And let me explain. All right, so I took my daughters um, this past summer to a... Um, a musical, Matilda. So I have all girls. I wouldn't go see Matilda on my own, all right? But I took my girls. It's a fun night out. I'm trying to date them and show them that this is what it would be like, you know, get dressed up. Let's go to a, you know, little dinner and let's all go to the show Matilda. And as we're walking in and we get our tickets in there, you know the, how the lights, it does the dim thing, show's about to start. Get into your seats, right? And you know how the big curtain is pulled. And you know, oh, there has to be something back behind the curtain. You, you know that it's probably some sort of set. You know that it's like, you know, how you've seen maybe, well, I did because we, I have all girls. I saw the, the movie, Matilda. So it's going to be a schoolhouse or something is back behind that curtain, but here we are and the lights go down and we're all sitting and we're waiting. We know that there's something back there, but all of a sudden, the curtains. And you see it for the first time. That's revelation. You may have read the same passage of scripture 10, 15, 100 times. But you know how the Holy Spirit at certain points of your life, when you've been reading the passage of Scripture, all of a sudden you're like, I'd, I never saw that before. You tracking with me? That's revelation. It's different than information. You know what it said. You've read it 100 times. But somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit illumined it for you because God wanted to reveal something very specific to you in that moment, in this season of your life, something for your leadership that you needed to, I never saw that before. And now I do. Here's the thing. A lot of people, even last night, right? I want to, well, don't let me, I'm not going to go there yet, but don't let me forget to go to the last night or the first session. Okay, help me there. Um, a lot of people can even receive revelation from God in a great Bible study, in a great small group setting, personally on their own, reading the scriptures and going, oh, I never saw that before. But watch this. Their lives are still not transformed at the end of the day. So what's the missing piece? And only God can do this. Only God can bring revelation through the Holy Spirit. I never saw that before. Only God can do transformation, and only God can do revelation. Now, we have a part to play in what is the most neglected piece of the process of transformation. Are you ready? Obedience. So what the Holy Spirit revealed to me, what am I going to do with it? And if I choose to do nothing with that revelation, my life's not going to be transformed. It's as if the Holy Spirit just gave you a gift and you said, I'm good. No thanks. And then your life's not going to be transformed. Can I just tell you this? Satan himself knows a lot of information. The scriptures reveal to us that he even knows a ton of scripture. He has it all in his brain. He knows what's going on. He even knows how to use scripture against us. He used it against Jesus, right? But obviously we know that Jesus' life, or excuse me, that Satan's life is not transformed. Why? Because he refuses to bend the knee of obedience. He refuses, so his life is not transformed. So how do we get our lives to be transformed? We obey 
what God reveals. There's a line that came out of Dave's mouth, I think, as he was teaching this to my church in a D4 conference that we held, Discipleship to the Fourth Generation, 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul, you meant faithful others. Okay, you got me there. Um, And he was talking about how this process of transformation takes place. And he set a line that I quickly wrote down because it was one of these moments where God just revealed something new to me. And I captured it. It's been ruining my life. All right? It's been ruining my life. And he said this, what God reveals. Dave, help me with this. Where are you? Is Dave in here? Okay. What God reveals is not meant to be negotiated. It's meant to be obeyed. So let's just call a timeout here real quick. In our first session, God, I think, revealed to many of us in the American church through Shadonke. Let's call a timeout for us here. This is not about disciple-making. This is about our obedience at this conference. You were in the room. I was in the room. And Shadonke was talking about the movement of prayer and fasting and challenging us. This is something that I believe that God was revealing. We know that information, right? We know that, well, prayer, absolutely. We should be praying. We're Christians, you know. And fasting, well, you know, look at me. You know, I, I don't fast. It's not, a, it's not a part of my spiritual tool belt that I pull out. How many of you yesterday were in there and you felt like the Holy Spirit was revealing something to you? Here's the question. What are we going to do? Are we just going to have, the, oh man, that was an awesome session. Man, Shadonka, his accent is amazing, right? Man, and oh yeah, I think, you know, we go back and we're, yeah, he talked about prayer fasting. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. If that's what that becomes, we're going to miss the gift. Obedience is the engine of our transformation. Are we going to obey that? Or are we just going to let it lie and have this become like, oh man, that music was great. It's just something that I, like that's a, like a real time example of revelation. If we want our lives and our disciples and our country to be transformed, the church needs to obey what God revealed. Okay. See, because this is where we get into trouble, right? I know this is where I get into trouble. And then here's when I don't obey what God has revealed to me. This is where, like, I get into situations and I'm like, God, come on. And I shake my fist at God and say, how could you? How dare you? He's like, wait a second. Hey, time out, Chevalier. I revealed that to you. And I want to transform your life, but now it's on you. I'm waiting for you to obey what it is that I revealed. And because you're not obeying what I revealed to you, that's why you're in the situation that you're in. That's not on me. That's on you, Chevalier. And so I get into things, and, and, and tell me this, speaking of quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit, when he says no to things, and I go ahead and I say, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do it, and then I get myself into situations that are frustrating, that's where I get hurt, that's where I hurt people. Anybody with me, or is this just, all right, you're tracking with me? And I want to share with you a principle of God's kingdom as it pertains to revelation, obedience, transformation. Another thing that is this nugget that God revealed that came out of Dave's mouth in the, is something that we stand on a board as lion's share. Here's something I want to show to you. Um, let me go here. What God initiates, he permeates. What we initiate, we have to sustain. See, when we get ahead and we grieve and quench the Holy Spirit and we say no or we say yes to what he's saying yes or no to, 
when I get ahead of this, what, what God is initiating, what God is revealing to me, he is saying, that's what I want you to do. And if you do that, I will permeate my presence, my provision, whatever it is that you need, I will give to you. But if you initiate something that's not my plan, that's on you. In your own strength, in your own power, in your own resources. And so let me just kind of stop here in this moment because I, I know what it's like to go to these conferences. I, I mean, I sit in the same sessions that you do. I'm, I'm a participant as much as I'm a breakout speaker here. I have a burden to say this to you, and it's something that I feel like the Holy Spirit, like as I was preparing for you, I feel like I need to say this at this moment. Because I wonder how many of us are going around to all these different booths and to all these different breakout sessions. And here's what we're going to do. Okay, I want to do this at my church. But God never actually revealed for you to do that. See, I think what happens in the church of America, what I've seen even in my own church is we see a church or a ministry over here doing something that we deem, quote, successful. And we say, how, how do I do that? And I'm going to bring it to my church. Did you realize that maybe the Holy Spirit has never breathed that for your church? Maybe the Holy Spirit only breathed it for that church. And now you're trying to initiate something in your own strength, in your own power. So that discipleship ministry and that, oh, that looks good to me. That's good information. Are we waiting on the Lord in such a way that says, God, are you revealing this to me to initiate with you in my context? Because if he's not initiating, realize sometimes that the things that we're doing in our churches, sometimes God's trying to kill, to protect our churches. Because he never initiated that program in our church. We did. And he's going, no, 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 I have, I have something better for you. So you have to stop doing that. So the resistance that you feel of people not showing up, you don't have enough resources for it, you don't get enough volunteers for it, man, is it God saying, I'm trying to kill it? But we come to these conferences like this, and I've done this before. And my encouragement to all of us is, God, are you initiating this? This particular way of doing discipleship, are you initiating this in me? Is that why I was in that breakout session? That I should be going to now this particular model of discipleship? Or are you just saying, yeah, this looks good. Okay, let's go this way. And the Holy Spirit's going, no, no, no. That's not what I have for you. See, we see Jesus even obey in the scriptures. Let me go back here. I want to show you obedience in the life of Jesus. He says, um, it was written about him that he learned obedience. And I don't know if that's encouragement to you because I've messed up in this revelation, obedience, transformation so many times that I know that I'm still learning that I, man, I, I have to learn obedience. Do you see that in there? That Jesus himself learned obedience. I, that's encouraging to me. I don't know about you, but like Jesus is saying, I get you, man. I understand because I also had to learn obedience. And then look at this. Jesus, he said to them, truly I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord. This is Jesus. Oh, Jesus said this, but only what he sees the father doing. So if Jesus needed to learn this type of obedience... May I say it strongly, how dare we think that we can just do whatever we want to do and just pick a curriculum or pick this particular. No, let's wait on the Lord to see what the Father is doing and let's do what he wants us to do. You tracking with me? Okay. All right, because I, I wonder if, if, if you're in this session because some of you have just been saying, man, I'm just going to pick. I'm going to pick. No, no. Wait 
on the Lord. Don't just go back to your churches and try to implement a strategy that you chose. Holy Spirit, reveal to me what it is that you want us to do as a church. Because what God initiates, he permeates. What we initiate, we have to sustain. See, when you read the entirety of Scripture, you see this process happening. And I love the fact that nowhere in any of Scripture do you see God blessing a good idea. Go ahead, read it. There is nowhere in Scripture where, you know, you see, hey, God, I have this really good idea that I think is going to attract a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, See, this is what we do, right? We've got a, we've got a great program. We've got a good idea. I've got, we're going to whiteboard this thing to, you know, to death, and this is, we're going to strategy this thing out, right? You never see that in Scripture, ever, right? So let me go. I want to show you these examples. Let me go back. So here's, here's the process of transformation lived out in the Scriptures. See, Moses, uh, Abraham and, and Moses and Joshua, none of that was their idea, I mean, those were really bad ideas as far as they were concerned. What, Joshua's like, what? You want me to do what around the walls? You, March, that is, that's just silly. On the seventh, what? You want me to, you want me to seven times and then blow trumpets and we're going to shout. That is not a good military strategy. I'm going to be out there and they're going to see us and they're going to hear us. Like what in the world? What God initiates, he permeates. And the walls came tumbling down, right? You never see them with a military strategy that says, in fact, when you see that in the scriptures, read it. When you see them with their own military strategy, God's like, go ahead. I'm going to lift my hand of protection from you. If you do that, I'm not going to go with you. Well, it, oh, well, then we don't want to do that because we, we want your presence with us, right? In, in the New Testament, you see Zacchaeus, he has this encounter with Jesus where God reveals to him, even without almost any words, and he has a revelation from Jesus of generosity. Do you remember this moment where he had cheated all these people? And he said when he encountered the living Jesus that in that moment God revealed to it. And what did he do? He obeyed and he paid back four times for explosive generosity. He obeyed and his life was transformed from that moment forward. You see that in the scriptures all the time. The disciples waiting in Jerusalem, they obeyed. They stayed. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them, empowered them. And you see these cowards of men turn into these incredible, courageous leaders of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is it written about them? They turn the world upside down. Revelation, obedience, transformation. And then Paul's life, oh my goodness, obey. I'm going to knock you off your high horse. I'm going to reveal to you who I really am. The way you've been going about this, the way you think that you're pleasing God by what it is that you're doing, uh-uh, I'm the living Jesus. Stop persecuting my people. Revelation. Well, now I'm blind, and I'm going to obey your instructions to go straight to the place where Ananias is going to meet me and the scales are going to fall from my eyes and I'm going to become the most explosive missionary for the gospel, right? Love, revelation, obedience, transformation. So is this happening in your life? I miss this a lot. Man. And that's where I get messed up. What about you? What about the churches and the ministries that you lead? What has God revealed to you? Have you taken the time to actually even ask that question? And have you obeyed it? Because that's when your churches, that's when our communities, that's when our cities, that's when our country will be transformed. Starts with us. 
All right. Uh, so the what of disciple making right here, what's the Holy Spirit? How does he help us in this role? So that brings the presence and the likeness and the power of Jesus. He guides us via revelation, obedience, transformation, and he shapes us disciples around the character of God, the ways of God and the mission of Jesus. That's how we advance his kingdom and with whom. I'll give you some time to take those pictures right on because I'm going to move pretty quick. All right. So that is the what. We all want to make disciples who make disciples, but it's not in our image. It's in Jesus. He, Holy Spirit's always pointing to Jesus. So we should follow that lead and keep pointing to Jesus, not to a curriculum, not to a person. All right. The Holy Spirit is a disciple making guide, the who. All right. This is how. How do you know who to disciple? And if you were in our sessions yesterday, Mandisa, this is something that Dave and her talked about. Have you ever asked that question in light of Holy Spirit, guide me? Do you realize that the Holy Spirit may already be guiding you with the people who are right in front of you, but you're ignoring them because they might annoy you? Right? So let me ask you this question. Who are the people that are hanging around you? In whose ears are your words big? I mean, they're, they're the person, I mean, come on, you know them already. They're hanging out with you. They want to hear from you. They're around you. For me, two of my daughters at this point in their life, my words are really big in their ears. And my wife, she's got all three of them. For whatever reason, I've got one daughter that's like, I don't want to hang out with you right now. I, I'm a daughter of teenagers, or a dad of teenagers right now. So but in whose ears are your words big? You know, there's, there's a couple guys in this room that I, that I uh, had the privilege of walking through discipleship journey with, and I just saw them. They, like, they, want, they met with me. They sought me out. And I just wondered, man, God, is this somebody that you're bringing around? Is my... My words big in their ears. This is the person that you know that like you actually tell them to go do something and they do it. And then they come back and they report. And they're like, what else do I do? Okay, that, is there a next step for me? And they keep coming back to you. In whose ears are your words big? And then from there, you need to discern, is that person fast? Because not every person who, who's, you know, in your, um, in, that your words are big in their ears is not a person that should be discipled. Because we all have people in our lives that are all hanging around to it, but they're, they are not, can I just say it this way? This is going to sound awful, but you know my heart, I, hopefully. They're not worthy of you discipling them because they're not fast. Let me explain. They're not faithful. They're not available. They're not servant-hearted. They're not teachable. So faithful. You see those faithful people hanging around. Yeah, you got a question. Dude, that was such a great line. You can't carve rotten wood. I looked over to Tim, and I was like, ooh, that's good. No. Now here's the question. What are you going to do to obey what that God revealed last night? Because some of you are discipling people who are not fast. And you are trying to carve rotten wood. So as she obeyed that from the Lord, she just said, I love you, but here's the door. <laughs> I love how she was able to just do that. That was amazing, right? I don't know if I could actually, well, I don't, I don't actually let it get there, I guess, before. But are they faithful? Are they available? Meaning, are they going to make the time for you to disciple them. So as I was talking about match my commitment with the guys that I'm currently discipling, if I get up at 5.30 in the morning in Nashville, Tennessee, and then you don't show up to the meeting, oh, we're going to have some words, right? That's what I mean by available. My whole quad was there. They are available. They're servant-hearted. You see them, man. They're already serving around, man. They're willing to serve. And then they're teachable. Nobody wants to serve a know-it-all or wants to disciple a know-it-all. That's what she was talking about last night in her submit, right? Nobody wants to disciple a know-it-all. They're just not ready for it yet. 
And maybe God needs to reveal some things to them that they need to obey so that they can be ready to have their lives transformed through discipleship, right? And then here's this, are you willing to match my commitment? That's a question that we need to ask, right? Because as we're in, right, we're going to save some Q&A for for afterwards. So save your question. I absolutely want to get to it. So Jesus, how do I, Holy Spirit, help me? You realize that Jesus had to go through this process, of who should I disciple? God, there's all these people who are around me that I know, that I love, that my words are really big in their ears. They are there, they're leaning into me. He went up, spent a night in prayer. God, who do you want me to disciple? He came down from that mountain. He said, you, 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 you with me. I'm going to disciple you. Do you spend time in prayer asking those same questions? Holy Spirit, guide me in who I should disciple. Here's the last one, the how. And this is where it's going to kind of get into some of our next breakout sessions. And we actually do some things that we want to tell you about that we could help you with the how uh, of the Holy Spirit. Because this is where um, we actually have resources and um, conferences that we do at Lionshare that pull off the how, that teach the how, I should say, okay? So here it is. Your aim is following the lead of the Holy Spirit in shaping disciples of Jesus around his character, his ways, and mission, right? That's what we all want to do. But how do we do this? The whole focal point is teaching them to obey, not you, Jesus, right? Not you, but Jesus by referencing the revelation, obedience, transformation. Let me tell you how this happens in my particular discipleship group. All right. This piece of revelation, obedience, transformation in my whole discipleship process, it boils down to two questions. This is all I do in discipleship. Yes, I have a curriculum that I walk through called a discipleship journey written by Dave. Yes, we have all of this information that's in there about Old Testament and getting to know God and how do you relate with other people? How do you hear the voice of God? It's all in there. But two questions that I ask of my men every week, and I'm asking this of my entire church, when I get to the end of my sermons, I ask these two questions. Because if I don't ask these two questions, then I'm not participating in the Holy Spirit's revelation, obedience, transformation process. Here it is. Here's what I ask my men. Here's what I ask my church. Here's what I ask my children. What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you this week in your study? Man, so much we covered. What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? One thing. Like, what, is there a major thread that you see weaving throughout that you're like, man, I need to be paying attention to this. Wow, I keep, this keeps kind of jumping off of the study. What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? And here's the second question. What are you going to do to obey it? Like real time, like today. So if in that, as you're talking about God as a relator, And God brings something up about your relationship with your father. And there's something that's stirring inside of you because you see how God, the good, good father, relates to his children. And there's something that my dad didn't do, or even if he was a great father and I haven't told him that. What am I supposed to do today to obey that? Because that's how my life will become transformed. And you never know how you might by participating in revelation, obedience, transformation, how you might transform a life because of your obedience to what God has revealed. That's powerful stuff right there. See, that's the Holy Spirit's role in disciple making. And our obedience points to what he reveals and he transforms our life. And then we learn to listen well as disciplers because sometimes we're the ones who can pick up the threads if, if people are saying stuff in our groups and, and, they, and over the weeks we're hearing a thread and we're listening to that and you're taking notes about those who you're discipling and you're seeing their obedience point, but they're not. And then you just say, hey, 
maybe in a side conversation, not in front of the whole group, and you're saying, okay, I'm seeing something here. I want to submit something to you. I'm not saying I got this right, but I, I wonder if God might be saying to you that you might need to do this. And I have watched time and time again as I've heard the obedience point for them, but that was the moment of God for them when I actually brought it to them. And God used me to be revelation to them. And you see it come. And it just lands on them. And then when they actually ask you to help them obey what it is that God's revealed, and you get to participate in God transforming a life, there is nothing that I want to give my life to than that. Revelation, obedience, transformation. And God might just use you to be the revealer. See, use scripture right? Scripturally sound, proven, and practical resource. Add lion's share. Dave told you about this. This is the resource that, that Dave wrote and that we use. And it's a 48-week journey because discipleship, I believe, cannot be microwaved. Discipleship has to be lived out in relationship, and it needs to be in a scripturally sound, proven resource. And many of us in our churches, it's not a bad thing, I'll just say this, in this revelation, obedience, transformation, and a scripturally sound resource, many of us are doing Bible studies, and one of the greatest, let me say it very sensitively, one of the greatest hindrances to transformation in the church today is Bible studies, because we're just filling with information. Man, that was a great study. That was awesome, but that obedience point is not there. So if you're doing Bible studies, that's great. It's really good. Please don't hear me that Bible studies is bad. Okay, that's really good. But if you're going to lead just Bible studies, ask the two questions. So what did God reveal to you and how are you going to obey it? Your Bible study will become a disciple-making culture. Right? That's good stuff. All right. Everybody, I just want to leave some time for Q&A here this morning. And uh, I'm going to invite, is Dave in here? Um, there we go. I'm going to invite Dave to um, also be up here uh, in this because Dave, the leader of Lionshare, and it's just, I've had the privilege of being discipled uh, by Dave. So we'll just open this up now. Do you want to lead into that at all? Okay, great. Okay, I have um, one quick question just to like clarify meaning. So on the fast, when you say faithful, does that mean that we um, can disciple people only if they have a faith in Jesus or if they're faithful to the attending the meetings? So, so here's the thing. I, I think that people in pre-discipleship, you know, the, those folks that don't have a faith in Jesus yet, um, I think that you're hanging with them you're in relationship with them. And as they're hanging with you and they're having conversation with you about that, I think that's gonna, you're gonna see their faithfulness kind of come out. I'm not sure that you can disciple a person who has not yet made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, right? You can hang with them. You can do pre-discipleship with them. Um, but but I'm not sure that they have the Holy Spirit for this information to grab onto. Does that make sense? That the scaffolding can be built upon the Holy Spirit at the center of their life. That doesn't mean we don't invest in them. That doesn't mean that we don't hang out with them and share these types of things with them. I'm just not sure that the Holy Spirit in those moments, um, if the Holy Spirit is inside, isn't inside of them, to be able to have those aha moments. But that doesn't mean that I'm not hanging with them and teaching them and, and all of that. Does that make sense? And, well, and you know, when you, when you give your life to Jesus and the spirit of God comes in you, you get a spiritual disposition. And when that's not there, it's just, it doesn't stick. See, and that's why all of a sudden when someone, like the day before, it was like the Bible, like whatever. Then they get saved. It's like, oh, I need this. It's because the Holy Spirit is the one that creates that thirst. So that's, uh, yeah, yeah. But you want to look for someone that's faithful. I said this yesterday. I don't think, Ken, did you say anything about the rich young ruler this morning? So it's like one of the things that um, 
I've noticed is that like the rich young ruler, you know, remember when it says he, when he comes, it says, and Jesus loved him. And yet when he didn't sell everything and follow him, Jesus didn't track him down. He let him walk away. And sometimes we have to realize that if someone's not being willing to be faithful to follow Jesus and follow your lead and what you're going to be doing to pour into them, you have to let them walk away. And that doesn't mean you don't have a relationship and don't go to the ball game. You do all that stuff with them. But the discipling relationship, you can't lower the bar because Jesus didn't. But sometimes we go, oh, I just need to lower the bar because we'll get another 10 in the group. Guys, that's why we have thin disciples. That's good. You tracking with us? Great question. Just real quick, so you're separating this. Excuse me, you're separating this from evangelism. So this was one of the. Um, so the, the question is, are you separating discipleship of, of evangelism? So here here would be my answer to that. I believe that evangelism is a byproduct of good discipleship. Does that make sense? So uh, there is nothing against preaching the gospel and doing great evangelism. If that person who's doing that is not discipled and they are not strengthened in the character, the ways, and the mission of Jesus, then I think you might be what um, helped me. Jim Putman last night said, Your people are rejecting, help, help me what he said, they're rejecting the wrong Jesus and not a good representation of Jesus coming from a, a person who's not been discipled as to who Jesus really is. So yes, I would be separating evangelism from discipleship. Yeah, and, and you could say that the process of evangelism of leaving, leading somebody to Jesus is step one of discipleship. Yeah. Now, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I'm going to follow you. That's step one. I like what Henry Blackaby said. Henry, Henry was involved with a project of ours that we're going to actually offer to you guys if you're interested as a gift. Um, but Henry said this to me, and when he started going there, I started going, oh, oh where is he going? Because he's a little bit of a maverick. You know, I said that to him once. You're a little bit of a maverick, Henry. He said, yes, I am. You know? And so, <laughs> so he said, we made a real significant mistake when we started teaching our Baptist pastors to win souls. And I went like, what? And I said, what do you mean? He said, no, no, hear me out. He said, we should have taught them how to make disciples. Because if you make disciples, you get soul winners, and you get culture change, and you get churches planted. But he said, oftentimes what we do is we win people to Jesus, then we invite them to our potlucks, to our Bible studies, but we never disciple them to be reproducers. And as Kent has been talking with you here, always remember, you're not really a disciple maker until you've helped somebody you've invested in reproduce in another person. Like when you get done going through, you know, our tool, discipleship journey, it's not like, that was awesome. Where's the next Beth Moore material? That's not, no, no, no. This is now a tool in your tool belt that you, ha, ha, you take out and you can use as often as you need to to disciple other people. But see, dis the discipleship process for me with Kent was not done until I knew he knew how to reproduce the same things in other people. That's, remember when he talked about the culture of obedience and the um, charge to reproduce? That's where, it's, that's the neglected thing. I had a senior pastor up in Ohio who's a great disciple maker, but he, or, or discipler, let me say that. He said, and he, he was grieved because he, he got revelation of this. And he went, oh my gosh, I've discipled a bunch of people, but I never took the time to make sure they were disciple makers. Some of you might be like that in this room. And I want to challenge you because your words are probably still big in their ears. You can show them how to be disciple makers. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and that's, so we were talking about something that we do to help envision this, this D4 that you're going to get on the way out. Um, this is something that we do to help people catch the vision of discipleship to the fourth generation. And I just want to show you something in this room of the vision of disciple making. So Dave discipled me, D1, right? I'm D2. I discipled George right back here in the room holding up. He's D3, right? And right here in the front row, Mark, D4. George discipled Mark. And now it's his turn to go D5. Does that make sense? So we love to say that, <laughs> that George is the grandbaby. You know, <laughs> he's my spiritual grandchild. 
That's great. But yeah, I want to invite you, if you want to be and, and envision your churches to be a part of that kind of a movement of not just, and this isn't, it's not a church growth strategy. This is just the way Jesus does it. And so this is what we're about. So if you want more information, make sure you hit those on the way out. Yeah. So get, get this. It's at D4. is a two-day two event, like a Friday night, Saturday, where we go into a church or we go into an area and we ignite disciple-making and help people get the ball moving. All right? Let me just, while we're here, also say this to you because you're going to be heading out the door for a break. But right back there is a sign-up list. So in this kit is, uh, is it 10, Darren, journals? 10 journals and a devotional or a video series called Wisdom for Difficult Times. It has Henry Blackaby, Jack Hayford, Lloyd Ogilvie, Dr. John Perkins, Lauren Cunningham, and a guy from New Zealand named Winky Pratney. And we, we a decade ago, sat with them and as spiritual fathers of a generation said, talk to us. We'd like to give this to you as a gift. All you need to do is just pay the shipping. All right. So if you're interested in this, it's like it's an incredible tool. Um, just sign up back there. Uh, just give us your information. And when the conference is done, we'll send you an email and say, hey, here's how you can get that. All right. But that, it's the shipping Darren said is $8.99. So you just pay the shipping and that'll come. It's a $49 product. So it's just a gift to you if you'd like it. Okay. One more question. Uh, morning, Dave, again. Um, I'm really kind of a youth um, leader, um, not a minister. Um, I'm still looking for someone to disciple me. But as I've been going through and listening to you and listening to him, I'm wondering, should I be a youth leader and trying to disciple these young middle schoolers because I haven't been discipled? Can this work for that same age group? What, what is your suggestion? Because it's really heavy on my heart now that I'm doing wrong. You're not doing wrong. There's just, here's, here's, the, here's the deal, is at the same time while you're looking around for someone to disciple you, middle schoolers desperately need to be poured into. So don't stop, just get added to. And then as you're learning those principles, you'll be able to pass on to others, okay? And just something, don't feel guilt, shame no. at all. That's nope. not from Jesus. Nope. Yeah. Just anything, rise up inside and say, who's my disciple maker? And you yeah. guys, sometimes, and I'm sorry about this, like I can get tearful about this, but sometimes you have to ask many times because people don't get it. And they'll say, like I've had leaders say, no, no, man, I'm not called to disciple making, I'm called to preach. And it's like, you guys, everybody who's a follower of Jesus is called to be a disciple maker. It's the great co-mission that we're co-missioning with Jesus. Keep your eyes open. If someone says, if you go, I really want them to send, they just say, no, man, I don't do that. Don't worry about it. Bless them. Keep looking. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bless you guys. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. That message was from LionShare's track at the National Disciple Making Forum. Make sure to download the free PDF summary from Dave Buring. It's called Process of Transformation. Download it at discipleship.org slash lionshare. You'll find dozens of other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.